That's what I discovered right from the beginning. No, no rich person is bragging about a duplex or a triplex they own, right? You need the economy of scale. You need to, you need to spread risk amongst many units. Right. And so my first, my first investment, this is, we're going plus 20 years ago, okay? Yeah. 22 years ago was, uh, was the, a triplex, okay? And then I leveled up to a seven unit. And then I realized, whoa, this seven unit is just as much work as this triplex. In fact, this triplex is probably more work. And yeah. so and so then I said, okay, I'll do a 10 unit and a 12 unit and a 13 unit and a 15 unit, 20 units. The first time I, I, I did a 36 unit, that was like, oh my God, this is like how I was, I couldn't even sleep at night. Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent, an investor, and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Golden Nuggets. Before I introduce you to my guest, I want to give you guys a quick update on what's happening in my world. So I wanted to mention what uh, we just uh, did recently with one of our multifamily uh, units that I purchased here uh, locally in St. Catharines with what my uh, JV partner and I. This was purchased uh, in April of, of this year. Uh, it was listed for four Um uh, I wish you could go back in time, I know. Uh, but uh, I was able to manage and negotiate the price down even further, got it down for 365. So always make sure you make money on the buy. So we made that happen. We inherited the tenants and you know, due to COVID and everything, we decided to keep the tenants on. And uh, one is phenomenal. We keep her, she's, she's great. And then the other one was a bit of a trouble, right? Uh, this individual decided they don't want to pay rent and so forth and give, started giving me a hard time. So Went through the traditional route of going through the tenant landlord board and everything. Long story short, got him out. He's out of there where I was able to renovate the entire place as soon as he moved out within two weeks under budget and got a, a fantastic tenant now living into that in that unit. So that too at market price. So uh, in terms of numbers, let's talk about the numbers on this deal, right? So as I mentioned, purchase price was 365 we um, renovated uh, the unit. It wasn't too extensive. I know I did do a lot of work in it, but it was really great in terms of the budget. So we put in new floors, uh, new kitchen cabinets, uh, new backsplash, a new uh, vanity, new tub, new toilet. Uh, and we also updated the window. So we did pretty much everything, um, uh, including the deck outside, actually. I don't, don't want to mention, definitely want to mention that because that was the most expensive piece. As you know, uh, price of wood is have skyrocketed. But long story short, in terms of numbers, we spent uh, about maybe $88,000 with uh, renovation costs, uh, closing costs, and holding costs. And uh, we got a recently appraised for five ninety one. dollars 
So 591 as opposed to 365 within literally eight months. So what that means is, is we're able to uh, take out all the money that we, we, we put into investment initially, including renovations, uh, including down payment and holding costs. And not only was it a perfect burr, we were also able to walk away with $80,000 cash tax-free from this deal. That's how crazy and um, you know real estate is really. And that's how impactful it could be in your life, right? So now we have a cash flowing asset basically for free sitting there collecting money and my tenants are paying the mortgage down. I think it's better than a flip in my personal opinion, because now we hold this for as long as we want. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a quick update. I mean, it's not to brag or anything, but kind of just show the power of real estate. If you do know what you're doing, if you know the numbers, you stick to your strategy, you can make some great, phenomenal returns, right? Um, so now I want to introduce you guys to my my special guest, Alfonso Quadra. Alfonso, for those folks that are not familiar with him, is a multifamily investor. Uh, he's also a coach. And he basically has apartment buildings all over Canada. So in this episode, we get into a little bit more about his background, how he, uh, you know, diversified and how he got into real estate in the first place. He he was always been a hustler, entrepreneur. So very motivating uh, episode. And I, I encourage everybody to listen and tune in because we talk about some great, great mindset barriers that we have, including about anchored pricing. Uh, so without giving too much away from this episode, let's get into it here with Alfonso Quadra. Welcome to another great episode of Real Estate Golden Nuggets. I have the building whisperer here, uh, a.k.a. Alfonso Quadra. Um, I'm very, very excited to have him on board because as a part of our uh, growth and any investor's portfolio comes, uh, you know, is the multifamily sector. And uh, I wanted to bring an expert on board today. So Alfonso, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to join me tonight and uh, before we begin, if you don't mind, just uh, give our audiences a, a little introduction about yourself and, uh, uh, you know, kind of like how you got started. <laughs> well, thank you, Ross. I think we've been uh, sh- going back and forth on messages on Instagram. Uh, and uh, I love your content. I love that Squid Games uh, content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I changed it a little bit to to to. to to apply to what what we're seeing in the in the marketplace from my side and from my point of view, but uh, it's fun. It's it's fun. I love watching a, a lot of your uh, the things that you do on, on Instagram. So that's really excellent that uh, we got to connect. And thank you for having me on your show. I think um, your audience will get a lot of a lot out of this um, podcast. This conversation we're we're gonna have. Now, if if someone wants to um, learn about generational wealth, so that's that's really what I'm about: generational wealth, expansion, massive action. Stick around; I think this is going to be a really great, great conversation. Absolutely. So, I'll, I'll I'll start by sharing, giving you a little bit of uh, a synopsis on on who I am, uh, in case uh, people in your in your audience. Uh, Maybe don't never heard of me. And by the way, if you haven't heard of me, Ross, if you haven't heard of me, shame on me. Okay, you know, I uh, make it my mission to get out there and and be known. So um, I'm an immigrant to to Canada, actually came as a a refugee as a result of uh, civil wars uh, back home where I'm from, El Salvador. El Salvador, mm-hmm. San Salvador is where I was born. So I was in a war in El Salvador, and then we we uh, relocated to Nicaragua, communist Nicaragua, and then another war started there. So between uh, uh, before the age of 
nine, um, I was already in two civil wars and uh, headed to Canada for refuge. So I came here as a as a refugee with my mom. She had fifty dollars in her in her pocket. Uh, single mother uh, tried her best her best to 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 raise me and give me some of the values that she had learned to, throughout her life. Um, I got into trouble. I I, I went uh, with the wrong crowd. I, I fell in, uh, you know, people talk about you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, mm-hmm. I was, I was hanging around with people that were um, just like me, you know, we didn't have any money. And so we uh, did bad things and I was influenced by that and I didn't do well in school. So right. I ended up being 15 years old, high school dropout. Um, I left home when I was 15. So now I'm completely uh, homeless. I've, I've, I've slept on the streets, um, panhandled for change, and really went through some really dark, dark times in my life. Some learning opportunities as well. But I, you know, at 15 years old, you think you know everything. And so you, you think the whole world is a, against you. Yeah. And I had a, a life-changing moment, Ross when my daughter was born, when I was 17 years old. So from 15 to 17, completely lost. No confidence in myself, uh, no belief in myself. I thought I was going to end up dead dead or in jail uh, by the time I was 20. Mm-hmm. Seven, 17, now I become this father. They put this little girl in my arms. Her name is Talia. I call her my, my guardian angel because uh, if it wasn't for her, I, I would not be here telling you the story (laughs) right like she came and she like transformed me and started like no longer did I think just about myself I I had this you know human being to take care of and so uh, as a result uh, I went back to school got a job five dollars an hour they weren't paying much in those days right and uh, I I felt like geez like I'm going nowhere here Mm-hmm. So I started a small business out of my locker in high school. Don't worry, Ross. It's, it's all legal. Okay. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I know where the mind goes, you know, but uh, I was selling clothes. You probably remember, you, you look very young, uh, but you probably remember in your school, the kid with the backpack with always something to sell or trade yep. in the backpack. That was me. Uh, I, I was called those the hustlers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know? <laughs> and so what I realized is the power of profits. And um, I would go to Toronto. I'm from Ottawa, but I would go to Toronto and, and on Young Street from the street vendors, I would buy, you know, a pair of jeans for 20 bucks mm-hmm. and I would sell them at school for 60, making right. a $40 profit in a 10 minute transaction. And to me, that was just logical. I said, that's, that's my, that's going to be my, my path. And so when right. I, I, when I graduated high school at 19, I had a vision uh, a dream, uh, an idea of opening my very own physical location. And so, uh, you know, everybody has dreams. Everybody has right. ideas. And, ev- you know, there's going to be the naysayers. And and pretty much everybody in my life told me, you're crazy. This is not going to work. And um, it was a hip hop store in a in just the, the, the beginnings of the golden hip hop era. Um, and this is like 19, think about this, 96, 96, 97. And they said, well, Ottawa has, the, 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 Ottawa doesn't have hip hop stores. You know, no one's going to 
it's not going to survive this business. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, hip hop is just a, a fad. <laughs> That's yeah. what they were telling me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I opened the, the business anyways. Um, that was my f- the first time I ever raised capital for 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 a for a, for a venture. Mm-hmm. I didn't raise much. It was about twenty seven hundred dollars. Uh, you know maybe amongst five or six friends, you know, people pitched in 200, 300, but those $2,700, which doesn't seem like much, I turned them, to, I turned it into a, I turned it into a company that was grossing in the millions. Uh, by the wow. time I was 21, I had locations all across Canada. Wow. And I learned so much about business and how to operate like big business, right. Mm-hmm. And how to scale, like I, I scaled quickly. And so, what happened to me, and I think what happens to a lot of people is, you know, someone can win the lottery, right? Someone, anybody can win the lottery yep. and all of a sudden they think they, they made it. But if the mindset doesn't change, you know, they're going to end up where they were or even worse within three to four years. And, and you can, that I mean, that's a, st- a statistic. Like you can go look that up. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And, and so um, 21 years old. At the top of the world, okay, for a 21-year-old, poor all my life, never yeah. had anything, and now I have means, but I have no financial literacy, right? I, I, I don't know what to do with money. I don't know how to manage money. And so mm-hmm. what what is a 21-year-old to do? Spend it. Spend the money. <laughs> of course. That's what I, that's what I did. And yeah. um, I almost lost everything. So by the time I'm 24... Uh, now I'm I'm almost at the brink of bankruptcy. Okay, because mm-hmm. shortly after uh, 9/11, there was a correction in the marketplace where people's spending habits changed. Right, and um, you know then the the introduction of the of the internet and how people could buy, um, you know their 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 clothing on the internet, it almost took me out, Ross. It almost took me out, and um, I realized that I needed to change. I mean. Uh, yes, I won the lottery. I mean, I fell into the right business at the right time in the right era, you know, with the right mindset, with the right people, with the right friends, with the with, everything was right. But I, but the rest was wrong. I, I was mismanaging my money. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back in hindsight, I think I needed that. Right? Um, if you talk to to any potential investor, especially for your audience, how do they? You, you know, when when you're talking to an investor. And you're talking to someone that is raising capital. Ask this question. How much money? Because everybody talks about how much money they've made. But how much money have you lost? Because I think everybody needs to have those growing pains. I think everybody needs to know what it's like to be a million dollars in debt at the brink of bankruptcy, but not go bankrupt and rebuild, rebuild and be better off than they ever were before. And those are lessons that I don't think people can learn in a textbook. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. And, and so that was, uh, that was the lessons that I learned at 21, 22, 23, 24. Right. I, I, I picked up this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I felt that, you know what, I needed to learn, right? I needed to learn. Yep. And uh, I picked up Think and Grow Rich and, and started to expand my mindset. And what I, what I, and then that was, I never read a book, Ross, my whole entire life up until that <laughs> point, 24 years old, picked up this book. I've read okay. hundreds of books after that. It was like, uh, I'm addicted. You know, I was the kind of kid in school that would read the back 
and get 50% on the test. Right, why, right. Why would, it, why would we need any, any more effort, you know? And so uh, I'm, I'm reading all these books and then my, my mind starts to get exposed to this world of personal development, wealth, real wealth, and what wealthy people do. And what I what I discovered was that uh, most wealthy people have multiple streams of income, and that hit me like a ton of bricks because I was dependent on one stream, and right. so all of the market is doing this. I'm suffering through when the when the business when the economy is good, I was great, but when the economy was bad, I like my lifestyle suffered, my family suffered, and I didn't want to put my my family through that ever again. And so I said I need a I need more streams of income. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. continuing to read about wealthy people and studying wealthy people, what I discovered was that most wealthy people hold their wealth in real estate. Yep. Specifically, multifamily, specifically apartment buildings and commercial real estate. That's what I discovered right from the beginning. No, no rich person is bragging about a duplex or a triplex they own, right? You need the economy of scale. You need to, you need to spread risk amongst many units. Right. And so my first, my first investment. This, we're going plus 20 years ago, okay? Yeah. So 22 years ago was uh, was the a triplex, okay? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I leveled up to a seven unit. And then I realized, whoa, this seven unit is just as much work as this triplex. In fact, this triplex is probably more work. And, <laughs> yeah. so, and so then I said, okay, I'll do a 10 unit and a 12 unit and a 13 unit and a 15 unit. 20 units. The first time I, I, I did a 36 unit, that was like, oh my God, this is like how I was, I couldn't even sleep at night. Then 40 <laughs> units, 50 units, 60 units, you know, and now um, what I'm looking for is 100 to 200 units at a time, right? Wow. And since those times, since that, that time at 24, you know, when I'm trying to get my life together, right. uh, I rebuilt the, the company. I sold the, the I sold the uh, the company and then I just went into real estate full time, right? Mm. And uh, since then, I've accumulated millions and millions of dollars of real estate all across all across Canada. And you know, I'm here to tell that story to you, Ross. So thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. There, there, there was a lot of great content there. I do want to unpack a couple of things because I know you you mentioned a quite you know you you had a successful journey so far, but. Let's focus a little bit more on the real estate side. So you touched on some great points there. So you did say, you know, you discovered early that the best way to accumulate wealth in real estate is to go on the Maltese, right? So I would say majority of my podcast listeners are either new investors or investors that have, you know, say 30, 40 units, but consisting of single families or multis, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, so forth. Many people kind of are shying away or they're afraid of the bigger multi, right? So what I would like to discover is two things. First is the financing portion, right? Because you're dealing with a bigger number, right? <laughs> a bigger purchase, bigger down payment, and so forth. And then secondly, most importantly, I would say is the mindset shift, right? So can you walk us through what it took you to kind of realize earlier or uh, get over that hump and then get into the bigger multis? Yeah, than continuing I mean, it's, with this, it's intimidating. Those I, I, and, and, and I understand why people don't do it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it can be intimidating. Uh, it's like everything is bigger. Everything is like larger boiler. You know, when you look at a boiler that services 60 units, you're like, you're intimidated. That's, I mean, now they make them smaller, but you know, when I got into the game, like, I mean, these boilers were the size of this room. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, you, it's, it, it, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary to walk in the unknown, right? This is what I would say to someone. Do you remember when gas, maybe not you, maybe not you, because you look like a young man, but do you remember when gas was 40 cents? And you don't. I know I know you don't. I, I, was, I think 70 cents was when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one day it jumped up to 70 cents. And yeah. everybody just freaked out. It was right. like unreal how gas could be 70 cents. And then someone said, um, one day gas could potentially go up to even a dollar. And everybody was like, no way. Like that would be impossible. Like, like if it goes up to the dollar, I'm not even driving anymore. That's what, that was the mindset of what people said. Yeah. yeah. And then, 70 went to from 40, it went to 70, 70 went to 75 and 80. And then that day came that gas hit a dollar and everybody just freaked out. Right. And they kept going. It kept going. I think uh, this year or uh, this year, I I saw the gas at like one, uh, 140, 150, 160. And if you're getting premium, you're going, you're, you're paying way more than $2. Correct. Yeah. Do you remember COVID-19 when it, <laughs> the gas went, just dropped to the eighties? Do you remember right. that? Like yeah. last yeah. year, April, right? That's right. Everybody's like, Oh my God, it's like so cheap. Right. <laughs> and so what happens, Ross, your mind gets accustomed to certain numbers and you get anchored right and and so when you're so used to paying a dollar fifty a dollar fifty a dollar fifty if it gets if it goes back to a dollar it feels like it's cheap because your mind got so used to 150 150 150 that's exactly how it is with real estate everybody's looking at triplexes Mm -hmm. because First of all, most people tend to operate based on what they think they can achieve, right? And the triplex seems achievable, right? And what happens is they they become anchored to those prices. So we're looking at, you know, a triplex between, let's say, depending on the market, on the cheap end of 400K to, let's say, 900,000, okay, depending Mm -hmm. on the market. Mm -hmm. And so people, people become anchored to those numbers. And so to expand your mindset is very simple. You just have to be out there looking at $10 million deals, right? If you look at, if every day you wake up and you, and you look at $10 million deals, right? you become anchored to $10 million deals, right? And now when you go back and you look at a million dollar deal, it's going to seem small, yeah. right? Yep. And the way it works in because everything is about expansion. And what I what I suggest for your audience is to always live in the uncomfort 
in the outside the comfort zone. So expand what you know, expand, expand everything that you when you feel you're comfortable, you're not growing. So you need to expand that expand add a zero add two zeros. And so what happens is you're if you had an elastic band, right. and you were to expand that elastic band, and then you let it go. Well, it's gonna, it'll shrink, but it will be bigger than where it, when it when it started. And I love so, that analogy. Yeah. And so what happens is you just have to get used to those numbers. And when, mm-hmm. and when, if you, if I could go back to the beginning, now there is education that you need. There is context, so you need experience. But if I could go back to the beginning. Right. And, and and give myself some advice. I would say, Alfonso, even though like people like I, in my first year of real estate, I bought 10 properties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought triplexes. I was, you know, about seven units. I did all these things to someone that might seem impressive. Right. But looking back on it myself, when I look at the, the, the elastic band and where I am today, mm-hmm. I would say to myself, you're thinking too small. Now, it's important to have those stepping stones, right? You need to start somewhere. Correct, correct. But make sure that you're always expanding, right? So if you start with the four, you know what? The next one should be a six or should be an eight or should be a 10. You get your 10, okay, level up. And so I spend a lot of time playing small, right? Now, that's that's the criticism, criticism I give myself. Right. right. Uh, when, 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 if I, when I, and I know that when I say that to some people, like, you're, that's crazy. You own hundreds of doors all across Canada. Well, you know what? I could own thousands. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's never enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I have to say that I would have, if I could go back, I would have leveled up faster. Right. Uh, without skipping the learning. Right. Mm-hmm. And people should get the education. Yeah. Absolutely. They need to know what they're doing. But, don't think small. Don't don't stay in this box. Now, going back to the your second question was the financing, right? Correct. Yeah. What I discovered the second I started to level up is that the financing uh, is a lot easier, right? No longer are they looking at my personal situation. Right. They are looking at the asset. They're lending money based on the performance of the asset. To me, that's just more logical because, you know, and everybody, uh, a lot of your investors uh, may have already gone to the bank and the banker says, no, two more. That's it. Or (laughs) only three for you, you know, and then people stay in that box. Right. They don't even they're like, no, that's it. That's all they the the banker said three. And that's all I could do. Right. Because the bank is operating on a um, debt to income ratio. Right. Which once you have three, three mortgages and you only make a hundred or one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, well, then you're done. Right. And so um, that's a clear indicator that you're buying the wrong properties, because if the bank puts the pressure on you Mm -hmm. to pay, that's the wrong property. Love that, love that, yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, you're absolutely correct. When it comes to commercial, right, it's 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 all based on the asset, not necessarily on your uh, income. So I totally agree with that. But then the other question comes back to: 
is the uh, the down payment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also with the bigger multis, right? Uh, the loan to value is quite different than a multi, right? You're looking at uh, 65% loan to value versus an 80%, let's just say, right? So how does one come up with that sort of down payment or that sort of uh, renovation cost? And that that's basically my question. Because I think that's what it... Um, slows a lot of people down or, or yeah. prevents them into going into the bigger space? Well, um, the thing about um, when you deal in multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with businesses. You're dealing with with people that are are analyzing. And the underwriters is very different than the underwriters that are, that are underwriting re- residential, right? That's right. So there's many ways. I mean, you could borrow the down payment right? You could get other sources of funding, right? Now, that would that would limit the amount of funding you could get for the first mortgage. Right. But at some point, if the numbers make sense, so this is why we go back to education. If the numbers make sense, it might make more sense for you to go to a lending institution versus going to an A lender. Right. But right. I'm going to pay more interest. Well, at the end of the day, who cares, right? <laughs> I'm not focused on the cost. I'm yeah. focused on the return on investment. And so that would drive my investing decisions. You could uh, you could get together with other people and, and do a joint venture. It's, you're better off, you know, getting together with a group of four or five other people, you know, pooling your money together than each one of you individually buying a duplex. You see, when you buy bigger, you tap into economy of scale, meaning more cash flow. Your $200,000 is going to go further in in an apartment building, even if you you come together with your five buddies and everybody puts in $200,000 and now you pull your money together to buy something that's significant, Mm-hmm. That's going to give you a, re, a a higher return than buying that duplex on your own and just waiting. Like you, you're hoping. I tell people you're you're smoking the hopium. You know what I mean? Like you're <laughs> hoping to make money. You're hoping that this goes up in value, right? Yeah. And so this is this can be a, a game changer for a lot of people. The other thing is you could right. You could become an expert. You could you could dedicate. Your, your time and efforts to learning how to identify uh, deals, how to, uh, how to find the opportunities, negotiate the opportunities, underwrite the opportunities, and put, put a package together and now go out and raise capital right, 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 with none of your own money. There's right. so many ways which is easier. It's easier to raise capital for a 5 to $10 million asset because the people that are investing into this, into this bigger entity Right. Are more sophisticated. Most people are not going to get excited about investing into a duplex or a triplex. But if you bring a 20-unit building to the table, you could get, you know, your wealthy uncle excited. And it could be bragging rights for, for, for that wealthy uncle. Right. That he could invest into your project and now you 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 take back some equity for being the working partner. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely love it. And that, that's basically what I was trying to touch upon. It's just that, you know, a lot of things you can do is on the creative side, right? Creative financing and commercial properties do allow for that, right? Vendor take back is a common one that I'm seeing a, a lot of investors, you know, lean on 
And the good news is when you do go to these B lenders or these credit unions, often not, they do accept it. Yeah. And, and to a certain point, up to a very high percentage, I've seen 35% even yeah. as an acceptable vendor take back, whereas you won't get that with any sort of duplex I've, or triplex, right? I've bought, apartment, I've bought apartment buildings mm-hmm. at 100% vendor take back. Wow. <laughs> Wow. There you go. There you go. So that, it allows for the creativity, right? It does allow you to expand. And then, like you said, I'd rather have one multi-building that's 100 units versus 50 duplexes, and they're scattered all over the country, right? That Again, management is easier. Uh, maintenance is easier. Um, and more importantly, like you were saying, the equity side, right? That's what I wanted to get into because a lot of discussion or debate goes around cash flow versus equity, right? So would would you would you agree or would you say that uh, would you argue that the multifamily side does give you better cash flow as well as better equity compared to the other smaller so, buildings? So what you mean you're talking about appreciation? Appreciation is what I'm referring to. Correct. Yes. So appreciation is not guaranteed. Yeah. Right. Um, I need to I need to know that my deal is going to cash flow. Right. The only time people uh, people um, lose money in real estate is when they bank on the appreciation, right? Yeah, yeah. Because That's now right. they have to unload the property because it doesn't cash flow. It's just bleeding them to death. Right. And so cash flow is an indicator to me that this property can weather any storm. That's what the cash flow does. Right. Now, historically, historically, you know, markets go up and down, up and, mm-hmm. up and down. But as a, as a buy and hold person, buy and hold for life, right? I, it doesn't it doesn't impact me if the if the market goes down. I still know I'm going to collect my money, right? I still I, I'm going to collect my rents, and the the deal is set up with you know proper contingencies of vacancies, repairs and maintenance, property management. I'm buying I'm buying this business, right? And I'm buying the 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 business based on the validity of the the numbers. I'm not focused on the appreciation. Now, location can have an impact on appreciation. For example, if you bought something on Young Street downtown GTA, right. you know that's gonna. You know that there's gonna be uh, the the likelihood of that appreciating versus uh, a Woodstock. You know, you know that for sure you're gonna get your appreciation in the GTA. It's a major city. It will always yeah. be a major city, right? right. But how long are you going to bleed for waiting for this? Yeah, so I yeah. think the I think the the healthy thing to do is to find a happy medium where you there's a significant cash flow and there, you're, you will realize appreciation. So what I focus on is uh, secondary and tertiary markets okay. that have access to highways and access to major markets. In airport that have airports. So, if you if if you look at, for example, uh, if we look at the four hundred one, yeah, yeah. If if I if I buy in Brockville, I can I, in two hours I can be in Toronto. In two hours I can mm-hmm. be in Ottawa. In an hour I can be in, in in Ottawa. I can drive all the way to Montreal. I have access to major markets, right? Uh, Oshawa, for example. Or, right. or or Hamilton. Do you know that twenty years ago we were buying uh, properties in Hamilton off off the bus? They were boarded off boarded up buildings. People said, 
what are you crazy? Why would you buy in Hamilton? Well, look yeah. at how close Hamilton is to the GTA. Yeah. Right. And so you just have to look at a map. You look at a map, you can tell where things are happening, right? You can tell where things are going. You just follow the 400 all the way up past Barry. You can see, like, you know, you just need access. Now, there is markets that don't have access. That means without access, you're not going to see appreciation. You're not going to see, uh, there's not going to be much potential. And usually those those markets are one horse towns, really, mm-hmm. meaning they, there's only really one uh, one employer in those markets, right? If you, if you look at secondary markets, well, someone can live in Oshawa and work in downtown Toronto. Yep. Uh, now with the GO train going from London, right? Yeah. Uh, it's servicing London. Uh, someone could live in London and go to come to work in Toronto or live in Toronto and go to school in London. Yeah. So access impacts real estate. And that's Absolutely. what I look for. That's a, I need, I, I need cash flow. Yeah. That's a, that's a non-negotiate, non-negotiable. But then the next side is I look for markets that have potential to grow. All right, Alfonso. Yeah. So I, I know uh, earlier that I mentioned that you all, uh, you do have a coaching program. So tell us a little bit about, about that. I mean, I'm seeing yeah. some, some of my circles, actually, friends uh, kind of join your group. So uh, yeah. I would love to know a little bit more about that. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to so, know more about that as well. So I do, me- I do mentoring. And um, if, if anything I said today, or, you know, and I also would encourage someone to go on my YouTube channel, subscribe. It's free. If anything I have to say, resonates with you just reach out right we can we can have a discussion of how our path our paths align mm-hmm. um you know i have students all across canada i don't i'm not i don't really push it on people right uh we're looking for high level achievers so whoever whoever is listening to this if that's if they feel that that's them reach out perfect awesome all right, Alfonso. Yeah, I again, I I'm so glad that we were able to connect and go over hey, this. this is awesome. I think, yeah, it's 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 very value, very valuable. I think it's an eye opener for folks. And uh, I think going back to what we said, and they it all comes down to mindset. I think it's just you know opening your eyes. What's it's just put another zero. What's another zero? Right. That's basically how you got to think about it. Yeah, it feels uncomfortable, but comfort is not no no growth. Discomfort yeah. is growth. That's the reality of it, right? So to be comfortable is like the kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. And then basically towards the end of my podcast, I generally like to ask my, my guests a few questions just to get to know them, uh, know yeah. them a little bit better. So uh, if if you had to recommend some sort of books, whether it's mindset or real estate related, related, what would that be? Well, the 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 ones that I'm sure everybody says would be like thinking grow rich, rich dad, poor dad. Um, I would, I would recommend something more along the lines of um, productivity, right? If you can, I mean, thinking big and having the mindset, it's a must, but after you expand, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to, uh, you have to build systems and, Build systems and motivate people. Right. You have to become a leader. Okay. So what I would say, anything from John Maxwell, 
in terms of leadership. And one, uh, one, uh, one book recently uh, that I think it's an excellent productivity book is Hyperfocus. So those two books, after you've done the Think and Grow Rich and the Rich That Poor Dad, if you haven't already done that, I think the next right. step for you should be more along the lines of operating a business. So you need leadership, you need to be productive, and um, those, those things are going to serve you well. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely check those out. Uh, I haven't read those two. So I'm always curious. I always like to get a list. And uh, yeah, I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad is kind of like the Bible, I would say. Yeah, so yeah, I open yeah. it for many. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think you should read it multiple times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody, every guest says that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. And then, uh, Alfonso, if you could travel anywhere in the world today, where would it be and why? Well, I've traveled to over 40 countries. Uh, in my life, um, many different uh, cultures. Um, I my quickly, what comes to mind is Turkey, uh, Turkey, Russia, Turkey, Russia, India. Are I you have been, those. Or are you are you are you gonna go? Are you trying I, to go there? Well, yeah, I want to go there. I haven't been right. Those oh, okay, are countries okay. that I haven't been. Um, you know, we I've I've traveled for, over to over forty countries, and wow. uh, I haven't been to those yet and they were on my list beautiful yeah no those are those are huge countries by the way it'll take you months and months to get through right? yeah yeah well maybe i'll just go to the the, the main places you know <laughs> yeah absolutely and then last but not least i just want to i kind of uncover i mean like so you have a, an extensive portfolio and you're kind of growing and growing i mean what is the end there for you, Alfonso? I mean, what is your why and where do you want to get to eventually? When will be the day when you're going to say, I'm, I'm good, I'm going to stop now? Or is there ever going to be a day? When they're putting dirt on my coffin. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Look at, look at a plant. Right. The second the plant stops growing, that's the second it starts dying. Right. And so you have to, and it, obviously there's got to be a balance, right? You have to, you have to achieve some sort of balance in your life where you can, you know, spend time with your family, of course, and do the things, but also be fulfilled. Right. But this is what I, I, this is what I understand about life. You know, you have to get uncomfortable. There's comfort zone is one way to start dying. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to get uncomfortable is to start taking risks because if you don't take risks, you can't grow. It's impossible to grow without taking risks, without living outside your comfort zone. And if you can't grow, you can't be fulfilled. Right. Fulfillment comes from growth, right? Which This is why people feel miserable when they're stuck at a job, at a desk for 10 years, doing the same thing over and over. You need to grow. If you don't grow, you can't be fulfilled. And if you can't be fulfilled, you can't be happy. And if you can't be happy, Ross, what the hell are we doing? Right. <laughs> like the objective, isn't the objective to be happy. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. so that's the gateway to happiness is being uncomfortable. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, you should put that on a quote somewhere in a t-shirt <laughs> and put it back in the market. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey, awesome. Man, you know, I'll tell you, it, it's really awesome what you're doing. It, it uh, you know, you have a really great show here, uh, really great content. I, I'll encourage everyone to, to follow you, including the, the people that are watching me. Look, I got 
I got about eight people wa- still watching this live. I <laughs> oh, appreciate it. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, I, similar to you, it's just, you know, I'm trying to just give, give back to the community. I'm, a, I'm always learning. So when I want to interview folks like yourself, I'm like the sponge in the room, right? So why not share the, share the same knowledge that I've attained tonight with, you know, millions of folks. Yeah. And that's the whole idea here. Yeah. So again, Nenfazo, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. I really appreciate you joining me uh, tonight. And, uh, I will definitely be in touch and uh, we'll, we'll talk more offline for sure. Well, like I always tell everybody, Alfonso loves you and we'll see you at the top. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I love bouncing ideas, people, and I love talking real estate. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away.